What is going on, everybody? It is Sarmo, and today I have my good friend Anthony Watson, an Olympian athlete. He has an incredible story. We're going to talk on cancer culture, the scam of Black Lives Matter. We're going to get into it all. Don't forget, if you want to watch this on YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble, we're there. Leave a review. This is the Speak Truth Without Fear podcast. All right, we are back with another episode, and today, man, I'm so happy right now because one of my best friends, Anthony's looking at me right now, watch, laughing. We're, if you're on YouTube right now, you're seeing this go down. Anthony Watson, one of my, seriously, one of my best friends that I've met, man, I mean, it's only been a couple months too, but we've hung out so much. Anthony Watson is an Olympian athlete he's been canceled he is the left's most wanted <laughs> i'm told he <laughs> and man anthony i love you bro thank you for taking the time to do this what it do baby what it do baby <laughs> this is literally our saying every time every time i call anthony i'm like yo what's up you go what it do baby what it do baby <laughs> emphasis on the baby <laughs> that is right man well anthony dude we i mean we only met a couple months ago, but we have hung out a lot. We have stayed in touch. We talk, I don't know, three, four times a week. Yeah, we talk a lot. I mean, um, I I don't know. It's like CPAC still seems only like a couple of weeks because every single time you're like, bro, we met like over a month ago. I'm like, really? Still That's seems like, over, like two weeks ago. I think it was over two months ago now. It's but. over two months now. It was February 25th. You sauntered into the house that I was staying at. Didn't That's know right. anybody. He was actually friends of a mutual friend of ours and... They didn't even meet in person either. Nowadays, you've got so much online stuff that's going on that uh, they had just followed each other and, like, you know, exchanged a couple likes, comments. You know how it is on Instagram. And then yep. I was like, oh, what's your name? He's like, oh, Jordan. I was like, what you do? He's like, oh, I DJ. I do music. I was like, oh. And then after that, it's it's been babies ever since. It has, it has been. So real quick, before we get this going, if you are listening on the podcast right now, make sure you, I mean, you can, if you're at home, you're able to watch this on video. We're recording this on video as well. So YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, all you got to do is search Speak Truth Without Fear. It is up there. Um, and to make sure you also go to speaktruthwithoutfear.com and put in your email because we are actually going to be releasing some really big announcements of taking this, um, the Instagram live show live. So with that being said, Anthony, so man, you have such an incredible story. Um, I mem- I remember the first night we-, we chatted, you told me your story and, you know, we had so much in common being canceled You know, I've worked in the entertainment industry. Uh, you worked in the sports industry. Um, and athletics. And so, you know, one, I, I want people to know your story, um, you know, how you got into sports and then, yeah, g- give us your background, your story and how you, um, you know, came to the place of being a turning point ambassador and someone that is really fighting for conservative values. Well, thank you so much for having me, my friend. It's a honor to be on your uh, podcast. I know this is like it's just like another avenue that we're just working together. Is yep. your IG lives, hanging out in person. You coming to my events yep. pretty soon. I'm going to be going to your sold out, uh, you know, debut uh, main stage concert with all these conservatives at some point <laughs> in the future. Who knows? That's right. But um, 
a little bit about myself was, uh, you know, I came from humble beginnings to say it politely, you know, grew up with not having much, but I had two loving parents that literally raised me to be, um, grateful in every situation and circumstance. And so, um, I, uh, got into athletics because that was really the only outlet that I had as a kid growing up because I was like severely bullied by a lot of people in school because we didn't have new clothes or, um, you know, didn't really have the latest fashion style or anything. So I felt a lot, I felt alone a lot of my life and, um, sports was kind of like my only outlet for like release. And, you know, ever since I was six years old watching track and field, I wanted to be in the Olympics for track and field. And then kind of didn't make it through an, uh, with an injury that happened when I was in college trying to qualify for the London games. But, you know, as not luck, but as hard work would have it, I found out that after that little setback that the only sport in Olympic for Team USA Olympic trials was the only sport that took open tryouts was bobsledding and skeleton. So I figured, you know, at that point in my life, I'm like, well, this is looks like it's going to be right. the avenue to get me to where I initially I eventually want to go all these years. And so after deciding to do that, you know, competed with Team USA for three years, didn't really like the politics and the system there. So I left on good terms competed with the Jamaican team that was actually um, that I have dual citizenship through my father competed for the Jamaicans and actually made Olympic history as the first ever Jamaican to compete in the sport of skeleton for the country of Jamaica in a winter games period. So, you know, it was a really, it was a really big deal, you know, but I got treated so harshly that sometimes it's kind of a temptation for me to undermine the the magnitude of it. But at the same time, it's just like, it's kind of hard to talk about it because you never want to talk about yourself because you don't want people to think you're arrogant, but you know, um, it's, it's, it's a struggle, you know, a lot of people, people need to hear the story, man. Like, you know, so many people are going through what we go through. I mean, obviously sometimes it's on a bigger scale and sometimes it's not, but you know, the average person, especially that, you know, they believe in the conservative values but they're scared to speak out and scared uh, scared to death of cancer culture. And I know that I've experienced that in really two or three months ago. I just really came out in a very strong way. Um, but let's talk about you know what that looked like for you. Because I mean, I, I remember you 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 had uh, we had some conversation about this, and you said it was some of the hardest times of your life, and you're actually just now coming out of that. Um, so yeah, tell tell me what what that was like you know, how you got canceled and the whole, I mean, really the whole story. Well, I'm still very much in it. So, I mean, like, uh, my, the only thing that's changed is just my attitude and my perception Mm. has changed. So, I mean, like, I'm still, I'm still very much canceled. The situation hasn't changed and it's still hard. Um, but you know, going through it, I committed to it when I made a stand for what I believe in. And a lot of people tell you that like, it's going to get hard. But the reality doesn't hit you until you're actually in it. And it's just mm. like, what the heck did I sign up for? So, yeah. I mean, through thick and thin and through everything that's happened after being canceled, you know, like I'm still here and in the same situation, but it's a different mindset that I have in here, which is actually making it more durable. So what happened to me was that um, as an Olympian, you know, we're told that we're not to take political stances and we're not to, you know, publicly like make politics a thing in the olympics which i give the olympics credit you know they've done a stand-up job of when it comes to competition they've literally left politics outside of it a lot of people outside of the olympics can do whatever they want but um and where i grew up 
the states where I'm from, you have a lot of people here that are very afraid. You have a lot of my Caucasian, or as I like to call them, my French vanilla ivory friends, <laughs> that um, are doing a lot of things to kind of play nice guy to the other side because they're more afraid of being perceived as racist, even though I know that they aren't. And that's more dangerous in my mind than actually being racist because as a racist you already know where you stand and you're not afraid to you know to stick by it when you're afraid to being perceived as a racist that's when you literally bend over backwards in every kind of direction until you're bent up into a position that you can't get out of in circumstances that you see there's no way for you to get help unless you literally just go against everything that you've been doing and so what had happened with me was that I had, um, after the Olympics, ran into some tough times, but, you know, was still having, you know, still training, still doing everything that I wanted to do. And then I came across Turning Point. Always loved Turning Point, everything that they did, you know. And I remember uh, back, uh, that was back when I was watching videos when Charlie Kirk used to go to campuses and just set up a table and sit yeah. there. And all the chapters that he has now, you know, I've sat there with students at some of the events that I've actually spoken at on behalf of Turning Point, sitting there tabling looking at it full circle like man look at that charlie That's kirk awesome. literally set up a table would go sit on campuses and have conversations with people and now he's got thousands and millions of students doing the yep. same thing that he did you know and so at the time this was when everything was being turned into race wars and i just wasn't biting it and this was like right when the george floyd case had happened and when he had gotten killed and uh well when he had died i, I you know rephrase that when he had died, you know, and so I was talking to Turning Point. I had applied to be an ambassador with them because, you know, I've grown up conservative. I grew up Christian, you know, and a lot of right. people fail to realize that conservatism was something that's only been in circulation since about a year and a half before Trump took office. Mm -hmm. And now it's become like a really big thing. But um, as a Christian, when you look at it, you know, conservatism is burst out of that because everything that Christianity stands for is all out of godly uh, statutes and a foundation that now is what we call conservatism, the preservation yep. of life, you know, uh, the love for one's country and one's fellow man, that kind of thing, you know, and the internal character that makes you the individual that makes a collective group of people, Americans, you know, a functioning yep. unit. Same way, similar as the body of Christ, you know, and so... That's how I was raised. So I never really was on the train of like always playing the race card or like playing the victim mentality. And so um, it got real for me when all of the riots were happening last year. There were riots happening in Philadelphia where people were burning buildings, throwing Molotov cocktails everywhere, assaulting police officers, looting stores. And I had some friends of mine from high school that I went to school with that you know, when we were in school, we went to a private Christian school where we were, there was only six black people and I was one of them. And so all four of them roll up to my house and then they're just like, we're going to go to Philly and we're going to go like get justice. And I'm just like, well, what are you, what are you doing? You're going to go march. You're going to go like, you know, take a stand or something. They're just like, no, nah, we're going to go loot. And I'm just like, so uh, real quick. So at this time you have, so George Floyd, you know, there's protests going on due to what happened with George Floyd. Where are you? What's, where is your perspective on the issue at this point before – you know, because before, this is before all the autopsies came out. We saw the court case. You know, where are you in this place in this mindset? Well, before everything like turned out to what it was, I had a feeling and it's just like I knew that it was being blown up to way bigger than it needed to be. Yep. And um, this was like 
George Floyd, I want to say, was a year and a half after Trayvon Martin, you know? And so to me, it just seemed like another, it seemed like another ruse. It seemed like something else that they were using uh, that didn't have all the answers solved yet. Right. And um, so like when I actually said that I came out as a turning point ambassador was the day George Floyd got declared dead in the hospital. Wow. So, and it was, I mean, like I didn't plan it like that. It was literally, I posted it. And then like six hours later, George Floyd like was declared dead. And so like I get my inbox blew up with all these threat messages, all these like hate messages from, you know, people that um, knew me and like literally like the day before we're having like good conversations with me. And then, then out of nowhere on a, on a, on a turn of a dime, it was literally just like you traitor. It's like you racist piece of crap. It's like, we know where you live. We're going to find you and kill you. Maybe then if you get, get like some of the treatment that he got you'll actually feel some sort of sympathy you know but like i really respect my father in this whole uh um in this whole situation because you know my dad i would look at him and i'd be like you know like any son or any kid would do like you you look you look up to the people who are older than you that see what's happening and my dad was really simple he's just like choices man you know because, like, everyone at that point was making it seem like the police found George Floyd. They pulled him over for no reason. And then they uh, were just, like, harassing him until, you know, eventually he met his end. Right. And the way that he the way that he passed, you know, like, nobody wishes that on anybody. Right. You know, I mean, like, and it's, like, really frustrating for me because all of those people that will watch something like that and get enraged, it happens in their neighborhoods and in their communities with black-on-black crime. I've right. seen things like that happen, you know, gang members literally ganging up on one person that won't join, you know, that won't that won't join their gang or is like repping the wrong set. And the stuff that they do to them is way worse than what the cops did to George. Right. You know, and it's like they didn't harass him for no reason. The police were called. Right. He went someplace and played with counterfeit money. And then, you know, like the results are what the results of and what they are. OD and on fentanyl. And the same and thing. Everything. And the same thing with Brianna Taylor. You know, right. where she was dating a guy who was into crime. And it's like, and I this look is, at <laughs> this. This is the sorry not to cut you off, but this is the, the thing that really frustrates me is that, you know, you brought up a really good point. Black on black crime. And, you know, what pains me, you know, Jocelyn Adams. This happened a couple of weeks ago where you had a I believe she was six years old or seven years old uh, at getting lunch in the line of McDonald's with her dad and a dude comes in, pops her, kills her. Um, and there's no, there, and, and there is no rec, you know, the media doesn't pick up the story. And the reason why is because it doesn't fit the narrative. And what's, what pains me and make, I would say frustrates me the most about this entire narrative of black lives matter is that they take, Really, and again, this is going to come off controversial, but it is. You, you take a criminal, someone that has a history where literally just a couple of years back was in jail for robbing a woman that was pregnant and putting a gun to her belly um, to hold her off while her, his buddies were robbing her and has been in jail multiple times. And yes, what happened in George Floyd is a very sad thing. Like, should he have died? No. But should he have been high on fentanyl, and, and we can go through all the different things, but the, the big issue is that you have stories like Jocelyn Adams every single day, which is to the point that you're making, Anthony, is that there is a crisis going on 
in some of these urban areas and no one wants to talk about them. One, because they're probably Democratic run. Two, it keeps everyone in prison in the mind. And, you know, three, it's against the narrative and would actually cause people to really face the facts, the statistics and the realities that there are you are more likely to get struck by lightning than to be killed by an officer unarmed. And that is a literal stat. Well, let me tell you something, man. I got pulled over by six cops last night, and that's not a joke. Six? <laughs> I six. And it, and like this, this is the story, right? This is great. So, I'm so happy. I mean, I'm not happy this happened. Oh I don't yeah, know yeah. Why. I'm so happy you got pulled over, bro. Yeah, do it more often. That's gonna make great content for my channel. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, man, it's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So this is what happened. I had oh a busted. God. I had a busted driver's taillight. So the taillight on my driver's side was out. I noticed a cop following me from like a while away and I do this kind of thing where it's just like I go I know the route that I'm going but I also know how to like reroute it just to like see if someone's going to follow me so I rerouted and right. he started following me and I'm just like huh. I was like I wasn't on my cell phone I wasn't like I didn't have the he music said, up <laughs> you know so I was like all right and then he lit me up and I was like um okay and you know um but see like the difference between like most men in america now most black people and myself is just like how you're taught how to respond right you know my father's told me as a kid he never said son you know like hate the police and the police are out to kill he never made me afraid of them police work for us and he always taught me to respect them and stuff and he's also told me he's just like look police have families at night that they want to go home to as well and he's like i and he was my dad was always very level-headed and he's always told me, and that's the that's the approach that I take whenever I'm invited to speak anywhere or to talk to anybody, is that I never undermine the suffering that people have actually undergone. That's good. But it's not the same as it was. Like, officers literally used to pull people over like that back in the 60s just to beat them up and harass them. You know, right. I got pulled over for a taillight. I sat there respectfully, and he said, look, son, he's like, as long as your license, your registration, and your insurance is up to date, you got nothing to worry about. Keep your hands on the wheel and say, yes, sir is everything that he told me so the police officer pulls me over looks like he's younger than me you know looks like he's like 25 26 and he's like hey man you got a busted tail i was like oh i said i thought i did something wrong but i was like okay i was like what do you need from me and he's like can i just have your license i said yeah and i said you know i said i know there's a lot of tension right now but i said i respect you and i said i know you have a tough job so i said whatever you need me to do i'm willing to do it because i said i had no idea that my taillight was out and he's like where are you headed i was like trying to go get some leftovers from Memorial Day because since I missed the barbecues. <laughs> so, you know, I kept it light and hearty. When I started to get nervous was like after he left, then two other police officers showed up literally like within seconds of me, of him coming to the window. And then they're all like approaching the car with flashlights. And I mean, like now to everybody else, they'll be like, what are you all doing? It's like y'all racist and y'all trying to kill me and this right. and that. But I'm just like, I was like, man, why do there have to be six of you? There's only one of me. <laughs> I was like, so in the end, you know, I've got two officers on my passenger side shining flashlights in the car, two people on the back shining flashlights on each side of the car, two officers on my driver's side shining flashlights in the car. And I sat there. I sat there peacefully and I complied. And then they said, all right, Mr. Watson, you know, everything's up to date. We just wanted to let you know that, you know, like your headlight was out. But because you were so respectful and you complied, we're going to let you go. Just get it taken Boom. care of. And, and so I said, OK, well, what do I do if I get pulled over by another officer? And they said, don't worry about it. They said, if you get pulled over, like just like if it goes through Vineland, like my, the city where I'm from, they said, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Just have a safe night and get home. OK, you know, easy. I was literally there 
under three minutes. But yep. it was so, because there were so many officers in such a short amount of time. I was like, good God, they're, they're preparing for the worst. Yeah. But in the line of duty, when you have to make a split decision of whether or not you're going to defend yourself, defend somebody else, possibly take a life or prevent somebody from taking a life. It's like, you know, you need your you need people to have your back. Now, are there corrupt police? Absolutely. But there's also criminals, <laughs> right. you know, and we need to actually understand and know that if you're respectful and polite and kind, then. It's returned to you. So in that situation, right then and there was a prime example where anybody else would have turned it into a hostile situation of calling the cop racist or a pig or all this other stuff because police have a really bad rap now, you know, but not all of them are like that. And so well, this goes back to what your dad said. Decisions, man. Like decisions. Oh, choices, man. That's all Choices. Choice. That's it. Because your dad, you know, your dad taught you that and you had a choice. You knew. All right. They they brought out an extra three or four guys for no reason for a damn taillight. Like, okay, I have a choice. One, I can go and be, you know, you know, f- have the mind of freaking out and exaggerating or calling them racist and hyping up the entire situation that makes you feel good and make you whatever. Or you have another choice. You know what? I'm going to be calm. I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to do exactly what my dad told me. You got out. Where for someone else that might have operated a different way, who knows where that where that leads you? Choices, and that's and I think what you what you said, Anthony, your your dad, your dad, Im- implemented wisdom, gave you wisdom, passed on wisdom that you rem- that reminds yourself of hey, when you're in this situation, this is how you react, this is how you respond, which is probably one of the main issues in a lot of urban areas, minority areas today in the states, is that. We have a father, fatherless generation and a problem where dads aren't encouraged to stay at home and to keep the family together and actually be there for their children. I mean, well, absolutely d- not, because there's they've they've let so many people. The government's given so many people cop outs of responsibility. Right. And, it, and it irks me to know when, you know, everyone is all about, you know, Planned Parenthood calling it, you know, like medical insurance and all these other things, but it's always in the ghettos and in the projects and places where teenage pregnancy and all this like, you know, you know, gang rape and date rape and criminal, you know, like stuff happens. And it's literally for population control when you really look at the mission and the, and the purpose of it, because, wow. you know, this is what I understand and know. Like I have cousins on my mother's side that are gangbangers, prostitutes, you know, like pimps. And I've seen I've had a front row seat to the life that I don't want. You know, because nothing good comes out of that. But all of them had something. They had fathers in their lives, but they were just emotionally non-existent. And that's just as damaging as not being there altogether. And so the difference between myself and them is that I was raised. They grew up. And everyone's like, well, we don't understand the difference. I'm like, look, when you grow up, it's literally you picking influence from wherever you can get it and then just picking whatever you want. When you're raised, that's when your parents literally instill things in you that they want you to learn, practice, and keep with you for a lifetime. And so we don't wow. have Hold on, people. That's so good. That's so good. So there is two types of people. I want, I want to say this again. This is so good, Anthony. There yeah, are two- there are people that grow up, and there are people that are raised. Raised is intentional. That's when yes. you plan, and that's when you make efforts to put that plan into action. And that's why I'm so touched and I'm so blessed when I hear people say like, oh, I want to be a mom. I want ha- I want to have kids. You know, we don't have people saying that anymore. You know, people love the, the feelings and the pleasures of sex, but they forget that it's for reproduction. And right. then, 
You know, I'm just like, well, what the heck did you expect to come from that? And everyone's right. always like, shock. We weren't surprised. We didn't think we were going to get pregnant. I'm just like, well, the whole purpose of that whole interaction is to have kids. So, good. so I'm just like, I don't understand how you can now sit here and be surprised because two things comes from sex. It's either STDs or children. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's literally all it is if it's done in the wrong way. So you know, true. and so now you have so many people taking uh, influence from places because people don't want responsibility because in my personal appearance and my personal experience, not appearance, I've seen Planned Parenthood be used as the get out of responsibility card where it's like everyone will do that whole, uh, you know, routine of everything. And then when they get in a situation that they don't want, then they want to be like, and, and the thing that's so heartbreaking and so infuriating to me is that they make it seem like they're doing the kid a favor. Yeah. I had a close friend of mine that I don't talk to anymore, so I don't really care if he finds this or not. But he was somebody that, without remorse, would just find all of these broken girls and broken homes and then just, like, you know, mac out with them. Right. And I'm just like, dude, like, what are you going to do if, like, this happens? And he's like, ah, I mean, like, well, I haven't gotten there yet, so I'm good. He got this one girl pregnant. He ended up funding her to get an abortion. And I was just like, I got so mad that I just didn't talk to him. And now people will look at me and be like, well, you're so cruel. That's your friend. I'm just like, no, man, I have a stance on what I believe in. And if right. I don't make a stance for it in my own personal life, then I, my words mean absolutely nothing. So in that situation, I was just like, I wanted to know his reasoning. I was like, well, why? I said, is she sick? Is it is it bad? He's just like, no, we're just not ready. And it's not fair to the kid if like we go through it's with this because fair to the kid i kid you not i'm not making this up he said it's not fair to the kid if we go through with this because we're going to be lousy parents and i'm just like so you're gonna you're Kill not him. even gonna you're not even <laughs> gonna give this kid a chance you know and wow. so like you you know that you know that i'm really big on spoken words and maybe you can help me with this so anyone listening you guys can follow me on Instagram at A Watson Jam. I'm going to be making a very, really, really gruesome but very impactful spoken word video next. And this whole next video, I've already titled it. It's going to be called What If? And it's going to be from the perspective of however many years from now, what if we're finally at a place where cancer is free health is a part of free health care? What if we're at a place where, you know, water makes cars run and we don't have to worry about gasoline and oil? What if we're at a place where there is no national debt, there is no world debt because we're all doing everything off of natural resources and not man-made energy and lithium? And then what if all of these things? And then at the very end of the video, I'm going to somehow cinematographically try to get like chicken guts in a vacuum tube and then like show it making it look like it's, you know, like a doctor vacuuming out a uterus right. with the wow. with the famous coined phrase, beam me up, Scotty. Dang. Dang. And the whole purpose of that is showing that by taking away a life, you've taken away someone that can possibly contribute to something amazing for the future. Because wow. this is why we fight so hard, because we've already made up our minds. But now people are coming for the people that can't defend themselves and have no ability to choose and make the choices that they want, which is the, it's, which is the kids. Right. And you have to be a real diabolical monster to really prey on a young mind like that for your own gain when you're not even going to see the effects of it later on. And it reminds me of that story of that old, uh, of that old King Hezekiah in the Bible, when a prophet came to him and said, destruction is coming later on, prepare about it. And his response was, well, at least it won't happen in my lifetime. Wow. And then there was destruction afterwards. And it's just like, that's where we're headed. And history repeats itself because of people's lack of initiative and their lack of consistency. Everybody wants what's good, but nobody is wanting to, 
actually like go through what they need to to make it to make it possible. Right. Well, and I, I think I showed you this book, uh, Love Letter to America. I showed it to you when we were we were in St. Augustine about a week or two ago. Um, and something that you said, you know, culture is getting this entire generation to focus on sex. It's focusing on an antichrist spirit. Um, and this entire book, and I've brought this up, I've talked about this, this book on my lives, I've talked about it once on the podcast, where this is a book written by uh, ex-Soviet Union uh, KGB informant that literally used what's, what he calls his ideological um, inver- uh, inversion, I believe, ideological sub- subversion, I'm sorry. Oh, snap, subversion. is that the book that you were reading when we were just chilling on the beach? Yes, yes. Hey, everyone, Jordan won't swim in the ocean, I had to go in there all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I wasn't in the mood. <laughs> it was a vibe, guys. I was, I was it reading was, this book, it was, though. It was brisk weather. The sun was beaming hot, but the wind was like the right temperature. The water was a little chilly, but I mean, the like you got used cold. to it after being in there for like a good 25 time, minutes. I'm going, I'm going to the beach next week, so I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to have to make sure. Yeah. But okay, so but the reason for bringing this up is because what you talked about is how you know culture has gotten it. An entire generation to focus on sex, which is why you know. And then the answer, the answer to that sex and the consequences has become Planned Parenthood, murdering your children, not not to to create a family and want to even desire a family. I mean, I've never met so many people that they're like, oh, I don't really care if I have kids, and I'm like, I, I could not imagine. Dude, I dude, I used to feel the same way. I, I I don't know about you, but I used to get so offended when people used to be like, I don't want children, and I'd be like. Well, there's something wrong with you. But then I realize I'm just like, you know, it's better for them to not have kids because they might be crappy parents when they get older. Because I know that any like anyone can be a mom and a dad, but not everyone can be a parent. Parenting takes responsibility and it takes like dedication and it's a responsibility that a lot of people squander. You know, do you realize the importance of childhood and like new life? You know that once a life comes into this world. Think about this, bro. It'll never cease to exist eternally. <laughs> Once it's there, it is there for however long. It's there right. forever. It, no, it's, and it, so when you realize the importance of life and the value that it holds, you know, it really, like, opens up your eyes to, like, see people the way that they're supposed to be seen. But a lot wow. of people make the mistake where they compromise their own values in fear of being ridiculed for taking a stand for something, all to be accepted by a crowd that's forever changing and never stationary or grounded in anything that they stay or believe. And so coming full circle to the whole BLM issue, the reason I became such a huge advocate against it was because before, before you get there, because I want to make, I want to make one point because that this is going to be a perfect transition into it is so in this book, this, I mean, this book is specifically talks about the attacks and the, the implementation of Marxism in starting back in the 1980s, the number one thing that comes from this handbook of from this Soviet Union informant, um, KGB informant, he says that the and this this is this is the handbook that they're using on America today. The number one thing: corrupt the young, get them interested in sex, take away their religion, corrupt the young, get them interested in sex, and take away their religion well that's uh, a common that's a common tactic to take over what you do is you get people like it it's like you know what pimps do to their prostitutes they get them hooked on drugs they get them so dependent that in order for them to get their fix they got to go out and work and then they use drugs as a reward it's like yes. so sickening 
you know, and it's just like you see that happening with people on the left in America today and just people of the same mindset and ideology, like globally, like worldwide. You create a problem as the people in charge. You put everyone in a state of fear and hysteria where they feel so uncomfortable that they hang on your every word because you, quote unquote, have the answers. And now look at how everything is unfolding. Now, Dr. Fauci is like backpedaling. You know, Congress is backpedaling, you know, like all of these governors and all of these senators and mayors that were all about this whole mask mandate business when it first became a really big thing. Now they're all backpedaling. The co-founder of BLM resigned resigned. because of scan. I mean, just like. And that's not the only one. Like she resigned because of scandal. She said the scandal had nothing to do with it. But it's just like I like after like I said, it's just like BLM. Literally, they don't stand for anything. You know, if even if it's messed up, that everyone has a mission statement, and their mission statement from the very beginning was, "We stand against the nuclear family. Yep. We want people. We want to give." And like I memorized it because they deleted it, and I can't find the screenshot. But it says, "We stand against the westernized nuclear family. We believe in creating an environment and a community where single mothers can continue to fight for the cause with their children." but not be subjected subjected or objectified to modern family theologies. And I'm just like, so you would rather invite a single mother with her whole family to get involved in this chaotic, dangerous, violent cause just so that you can prove a point. And everybody's leaving. And then two months, uh, a month ago, you hear one of the people coming under scrutiny because she bought her fourth million dollar mansion. Right. And then her excuse was, well, I got to take care of my family. I'm like, oh, hold up. I thought you guys were against that whole thing. But before that, remember, they, nobody could find their mission statement. They deleted it. Newsflash. It's a scam. It's and now, a scam. And you have everybody and, and you still have everybody still fighting for this cause that has produced no value. There's it stopped no violence. It's given nothing. It's produced nothing. Been in no public eye to offer anything back to the communities. It's taken in last year alone, I think, 60 million dollars. Uh, it's, it's over 70, over 70. So and it's just and, like and the, you even the question have... becomes like, where does the money go? Then you have little leaders and like small sections here yep. and there, major cities all over the United States going to prison for like, you know, spending the money on like prostitutes and condos and expensive suits and all this other stuff. And it's just like if that doesn't get you to open your eyes and think about like what the real picture and what the real purpose of this is, then I'm just like the issue ain't everything out there. It's you. We live in an imperfect world where no matter who's in office, no matter what's happening, there's going to be violence. There's going to be things that are going to be happening. That's just how ugly the world is what makes it hopeful is when you're in that whole kind of situation and you can see all of that stuff happening and you still value the life of the person that's there that's the difference and the only way that you do that isn't through politics and and ain't through policies it's through letting your mind and your heart be changed and be renewed by the word of god literally literally and it's just like we've substituted everything we've taken god out of every facet we've taken him out of every place and now we're shocked and surprised that everything is under attack remember when we took prayer out of schools you weren't allowed to say the pledge of allegiance you weren't allowed to stand for the flag you weren't allowed to pray and now they've taken god out of schools and that's why you have now you have all these young kids getting their minds raped by all this brain pop this whole gender studies this whole um you know critical race theory and stuff and everyone's shocked and i'm just like well what the heck did you expect i was like when you have god in control of certain things there's order there's peace there's there's uh there's love and there's equality things that the people on the right want and things that people on the left want but no, but things that nobody will be able to achieve without him yep no seriously it's, it's such a good point and it's it's so interesting because there is 
if you don't think that taking God out of schools and taking God out of the entertainment industry and taking God out of, I mean, out of even the national anthem, I mean, or the, I'm sorry, the Pledge of Allegiance, I mean, there is a direct attack on religion. And in this, and to not to reference back the same book, but I'm going to, he said, um, Tomas talks about how literally the number one thing that every communist regime, every Marxist regime, and remember, BLM founder literally says, we are trained Marxists. The number one thing they go after is religion. And and this is the reason why. One, some, a doctor, I can never say his name right, Sherefovich, um, analyzed past communist regimes and past communist mo- movements. And this is, he goes, I came to the one ominous conclusion. Every one of these civilizations died when people rejected religion and God and tried to create social justice along the socialist principles. This is back in 1977. There is a reason why that we have created in our, even when it comes to our universities, our churches, it's infiltrated the church now where we are focusing less on God. We are focusing less on faith. We are focusing less on Jesus. We're focusing less on academics and getting smarter and gaining wisdom and knowledge. And we are focusing more on social justice issues. The things that really don't bring any real change to your life. Um, there's a reason why. And it's because they want to – one of the things that also says in this book is that you can't infiltrate Marxism and, and implement it unless you dumb down the average citizen. Well, I mean, like, look at look at what the government's done. They've made they've made you know like drugs paraphernalia and you know like weed so available to everybody that everybody's so high out of their mind. It's just like yeah. you know they give they give you and it's like puff puff pass. And while you're doing that, they're stealing your wallet, <laughs> stealing your textbooks, stealing everything, rewriting everything, so that by the time you finally come to your senses, everything is different. And then you're just like, what happened? Right. You know, it's just like. What did you expect? It's just like we took I mean, like back when this country was founded, even if people weren't professing Christians or people of faith, they still had that one thing for God that nobody has anymore. And it's reverence. That's so good. They still they still regarded him as the creator of all and who was sovereign. And that's why they did everything under his rule, which is now that's what's under attack, because that's the last thing holding it together. But I do know this. It doesn't matter how ugly, how bad, how chaotic, how violent, how things get. You can only have so much evil stack up until God steps in Mm. and he's about to do something. We don't really know what it is, but if COVID has taught us anything, it's been for years. Everyone has been like, oh, to be something successful in life or to have any purpose, you need to go to college, need to have a degree, need to get married, need to have a family, need to have a job, need to have an income, need to have credit, all this other stuff. And COVID literally took all of that away. You had more domestic violence in the home. Nobody was working. Nobody could go to school. Everyone was fed up with all the Zoom classes. Nobody really wanted to work. And everyone was like tired of like being inside. It's just like back in those days. It's just like nobody wanted to work because times were so good under Trump and the economy. Now you see lines of people lining up just for gasoline. Right. And then after that, you have everybody coming and saying all these like ridiculous things. (laughs) It's like I'm just like. You voted for this. So when everyone, like, especially during election time, when everyone was like, we just need to get Trump out. I was like, okay, okay. I, I said, I, I can respect your feelings because, I mean, like, I, I know we ain't all going to agree on everything. But I said, do you actually want him out because you disagree with policy or do you want him out just because of his personality? 
And they're just like, well, he's racist. I was like, well, what did he say? They're just like, he called Mexicans rapists. I'm just like, well, last time I checked, rapist ain't a racial slur. It's a crime. I was like, I know white rapists. I was like, I know black rapists. I know Spanish rapists. I know Asian rapists. So just like, white rapists. I know white rapists. Green, blue, yellow, every color you can dang think about. You know, I'm just like, I said, I get it. I mean, like, he, I was like, he's not everybody's cup of tea. I was like, you know, it's like some things that, you know, like you would want him to have more, you know, uh, class in. I was just like, he was just a battering ram. But I'm just yeah. like, look at the results of what he's done. And I said, you guys may get what you want. You may get him out of office. But I said, you don't realize that you might be putting a tyrant there instead. And I was just like, gas prices shot up. I was like, you have so many we're hiring signs everywhere across the country right now. And ain't nobody want to work because they're so comfortable staying at home, getting their government checks. Mm. You know, and I was like, they you knew can what only they do were that. doing. They you knew can what only they were do doing. that for so long. And the, the tactic of the left right now, the tactic of Democrats and liberals. And like, I really can't stand the term liberal because it's just like it really doesn't mean anything. The whole right. liberal I- ideology to me is the whole mindset of live and let live. Because you don't stand for nothing. You condemn everyone that makes anyone feel uncomfortable because they take a stance. They don't even attack anybody. But yet you can't defend your arguments. You can't um, you don't know how to research. It's just like all you do is name call. And it's like your arguments and your opinions and your ideologies, they all fall apart when they actually meet truth. And it's just like and everybody on that side, they don't even live by the truth. They live by, oh, well, it's your truth, your version of truth. Jesse Smollett, classic example, that kind of thing. 100%. Well, they don't want to believe the truth. This is just what everything is here. And so. Well, there was a, and there was a time in your life, which I know you're about to tell the story and I actually want to hear it, where you confronted people. You know, there were six guys that came over to your place and you were telling a story earlier where, you know, they were about to go out and protest, you know, for, you know, for what happened with George Floyd. They came to your place and. You were like, hey, what are we, we going to do? And you actually spoke some truth, and it turned on you. Real quick, and we got about 10 minutes left. Tell me, about, tell me about that story. I became a huge advocate against it because not only did those people not support me, they literally, like, took it to me. <laughs> yeah. So when I said, I don't want to go, I said, I can't do that. And they said, well, why not? I said, you, you, don't, you, you support everything that's happening? I said, no, that's not fair. I said, because I said, out of all of us, I said, I'm the one that's in the projects going out and doing my outreaches to kids in those kind of environments. I'm the one that's putting all this work on the pavement. And I'm just like, just because I don't believe in stealing something that ain't mine, I said, I can't go with you. And I said, if that makes me your enemy, then I said, I'm sorry, but I said, that's the stance that I'm going to have to take. And so then just, I, so just I don't remember what happened after that because I got clocked from behind and then I got it was 10 minutes of getting stomped on. So you had some buddies come over to your place. They're like, yo, people are protesting. We're going to go loot. We're going to go destroy the town or whatever. What did they I mean? What was the conversation when because, I mean, again, I what people see, they just see people looting on TV. They don't actually see the actual organize the organizing and the conversations that go before I can't, I can't speak for anybody but I have on I honestly know that looting a jewelry store and looting a, a Nike store or all these other shops and whatever that you were burning up and whatnot it has solved absolutely nothing and it's getting to the point now where it's like nobody's safe you see all these mothers grandmothers aunts uncles parents sisters brothers crying because now the young ones aren't even safe you know, everyone is just running them up and going and being careless. And that's why I've never supported BLM, because they've done absolutely nothing for black people except fire them up with fake rage and like embolden them with false truth and then encourage them to do whatever, knowing that if they don't do anything, politicians will bend to them if they scream loud enough. Oof. And we live we live in a culture don't now. Say it, where, bro. 
we live in a culture now where hard work means nothing discipline is out the window and character flaws don't even like talk about that because we're taught that if you scream loud enough you complain long enough and you make trouble loud enough then people will just give you what you want that may work for a little bit but people have a cap and you can't hold on to that for forever you know there's got to come a time where it's like what you actually say means something and martin luther king at that time i said to them i was like he'd be rolling in his grave right now because i said he marched so that you guys could be able to complain and not get shot for it and y'all are going to go over there and march and do all this other stuff in vain for no purpose for people that are still dying i don't care how many times you say george floyd i don't care how many times you say brianna taylor i don't care how many times you say trayvon martin you can say their names until you're blue in the face and until you die and pass out in your grave it's not going to bring them back we need to start saying the names of all the people that are still alive still in these situations still fighting for truth still lost still hopeless still desperate for any kind of hope to get to them because they're the names that are alive that you can actually do and make a change with we need more people that are doing that and that is what i'm willing to die and fight for to my dying breath until it's taken from me to make sure that people actually have a chance a voice and someone that's actually going to fight for them to give them better for what they deserve through hard work through discipline through character development and through honesty Boom. Anthony Watson out. <laughs> no, for real. The end. the end. No, seriously, bro. That that is so true. I love everything that you're saying. I want to keep this conversation going, but we are wrapping up on which is a this is a, it's a perfect ending is that we have to do more. We have to challenge the norm and we have to have these conversations, man. They're so important. Um it, we have to have these conversations. So really quick Tell people how can people get a hold of you if they want to find you on social media, find you on Instagram, um, and if you have a website or your email. I'm just on Instagram and Twitter right now, but I'm getting rid of my Twitter and my Facebook. So I mean, like Instagram a Watson J A M a Watson Jam one word. One word, no dots, spaces, hyphens, whatever. If you need anything, DM me. Would love to reach out and talk to all of you guys. Yes. And follow me on any of the events that you can catch in and tune in on on Zoom. And if you haven't yet, book your tickets for SAS July 17th to the 20th. We're going to be there. It's going to be a party. It's going to be a good time. You're going to learn a lot, and you're going to hang out with a lot of good people that have your back. We are, we are all going to be there. And also, if you're listening to this right now, which is most likely on Wednesday, June 2nd, um, when you are actually listening to this, you, you can actually go to the Speak Truth Without Fear um, Instagram, and you will see that because uh, tonight Anthony is also going to be on the the Instagram live show uh, with Speak Truth Without Fear. So it's going to be we're we're going back to back. I'm so happy to have Anthony. Anthony, thank you so much for. Seriously, coming in, taking the time, sharing your story. It's its so inspirational, bro. Oh, man, this is so much fun, man. We're going to have even more fun on the live. So if you guys have no plans, make sure you guys tune in every Monday to Thursday, 9 p.m. The Jordan Speak Truth Without Fear. This thing Come is on, fire. Baby. Y'all ain't going to miss nothing. And if you do miss nothing, that's your own fault. Come on, <laughs> let's go. I love it. So with that being said, remember, leave a review. Uh, you can also go on YouTube if you want to watch these at home. Go to the website, speaktruthwithoutfear.com. We got articles up. We got so much information to get you. We love you guys, and we will see you on the next episode on Friday with me and Ross DeBoss.